It's great to see you this morning. Hope that you had a great week. We're in our 40 days in the Word, and we've been encouraging everybody to read two chapters a day. We're starting with the book of Luke, and uh, we're reading through the book of Luke, John, Acts, and Romans for 40 days. The idea is it becomes a habit, and at the end of that 40 days, you'll continue to read the Bible on a regular basis. So we're now in the book of John. This week, we're going to be reading chapters 5 through 18 together. You know, the, these books in the Bible aren't very long, so it's easy to catch up if you want it to. You could probably read through the whole book of Luke in a sit- sitting if you want it to. But we're now in John. John chapter 1 talks about Jesus being God. He calls his disciples. Then in chapter 2, he does his first miracle. In chapter 3, uh, he talks about what it means to be born again. And as you continue through John, you see how Jesus relates and interacts with people. He talks a lot about believing in him, trusting him, and you're going to read all the way to the point where he gets arrested this week, then we'll pick up from there. So we're encouraging you, if you haven't started yet, to try to read two chapters a day. I think your knowledge of the Bible is going to increase. You're going to find out that the Bible is easy to understand. It's not like sometimes people have the idea that, oh, if I read it, maybe I won't understand it. I think it's not that difficult to understand. I encourage people to buy study Bibles where they have notes in there that can help you as well. Uh, they're a little bit more expensive to buy, but the notes that you have in there, it's like walking around with a seminary professor because they're the ones that put the notes in there. They're the ones that did all the research to help you out. Today, we're talking about how the Bible changes us. The Bible is not like other books that you read. That's why we call it holy. There's a lot of good books out there But the Bible has a supernatural power where people read the Bible and they walk away from drug addiction or they read the Bible and they walk away from alcohol and they literally stop drinking, you know, or they read the Bible and it revolutionizes their heart and they quit cheating on their spouse. I mean, there's story after story after story, even in this room, because a lot of you guys have shared with me your story how you turn to God, you start reading scripture, how it changes your life. It's something different than a self-help book. A self-help book has great stuff in there, but it doesn't have the power to change your life. There's something about the Bible. It actually literally changes people's lives. It's been doing that uh, for 2,000 years. It's changed my life. Uh, It's changed the type of person I am through reading God's word and the power that's in there. When you think of the power of God's word, the Bible says that God created the world through his word. Let there be light, and there's light. You know, let there be this, and there's this. And in that that story, when you're reading about creation, it's emphasizing the power of God's word, that by God's word, he can put something into existence. Now, for years... Thinking about that, for years, scientists believed that the universe had always been here. The universe will always be here. But then when you look at Einstein and his theory of relativity, and then later the calculations of Stephen Hawking, now they've disproven this. And now they say the universe had a beginning and it's going to have an end. We don't know how long that's going to take, or you know. but now that's what science says that they've been able to prove. It's interesting because the Bible said that a long time ago. 
In Psalms 33, 6, it says, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. You might call that the big bang. You know, he spoke, boom. You know, but the idea is, in the Bible, it says there's a beginning. We already know that, uh, you know, things don't, spontaneous generation is impossible. You can't get something out of nothing. Let me get, grab a, a lot of nothing and make something with it. That's impossible. We've already proven that. And we know that everything has a cause and an effect. So if there's some sort of effect, what caused it? These are things that we know. And we, all, we always know that with science, science is a continual study that constantly disproves itself. You know, because they'll say, like, science is teaching one thing. Like I said last week, um, 10 years ago, things that they said it was okay for you to eat if you're pregnant. Now they say, oh, but don't eat this. Well, 10 years ago, people said that was fine. Why? Because science is constantly learning and disproving itself. Science isn't constantly learning and disproving the Bible. It's constantly learning and disproving itself. It's constantly changing over the years. They're constantly learning more and more stuff. And then when you read about Jesus, through his words, he would say, be healed. Just the power of his word. And four or 500 people standing there and they see that. Or he even raised people from the dead with hundreds of people watching. Eyewitnesses of what he's doing. The power of God's word. In John 6, 63, Jesus said this. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus is saying there's a power in what he's saying. What kind of power is this? The things that Jesus spoke transformed societies. Societies have been transformed through what he said. The whole idea of building laws around respecting other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's from his spoken word. History's been transformed by the things that Jesus said. People have been transformed by the things that Jesus said. In Hebrews 4, 12, it says... The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You'll read the Bible, and it convicts you. It changes the way that you feel about things. It's judging your heart as you're reading it. And then it has the power to change your life. It changes your mind. It starts changing the way that you live, the way that you start treating people. And we've all had things in our life that we need to change, but we just don't have the power to do that. And then you start reading the Bible, and your mind starts changing, your heart starts changing, and your lifestyle starts changing. Things that you could never change before. You tried on your own, you had failure after failure, and then you turn to God, and now all of a sudden... Things have changed. We've seen the power of God to people reading the Bible change marriages that were headed for divorce. Marriages where the people said, there is no way we can be happy together. And now they're living happy married lives. Where parents have said, my son or daughter has so far gone, I've lost all hope 
on them ever turning around. And now their child goes to church with them and is walking with God. And they can't believe that a few years ago they had lost all hope, that they felt like there was no way. We see this happening all the time because of something happening where someone starts reading the word of God and starts changing them. On the inside, D.L. Moody said, he's a famous pastor, by the way, uh, from Chicago years back. But he said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. That's the purpose. Because you can read the Bible and have a lot of knowledge. It doesn't make your life any better, right? The whole point is for it to change the way that you live, for it to change the way that you treat other people. So how does the Word of God change my life? Because I'm encouraging people to read the Bible on a regular basis. This is my hope. Like I'm saying, read the Bible, you know, like we're doing. Just read two chapters a day. Well, why? Why? What's in it for me? You know, is, am I saying to read the Bible so you get head knowledge? No, that's not why I'm saying it. What's in it for me? I want you to read the Bible because it will change you into a better person. And you can already be a good person. But I'm saying, saying as you read the Bible, it's going to make you even a better person. You're going to grow. You're going to learn from it. So let's look at how it affects your life. Why is reading the Bible going to make a difference? Number one, it recreates my life. See, in life, our life falls apart. We do things that are wrong sometimes that, we, that devastate us. And we've messed up and we fall flat on our face and we feel like, oh, I've ruined things. And then you read the Bible and the Bible gives you a fresh start. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's turning over a new life. That idea of born again, what does that mean? It means a new start. There are people that have done things that they felt like their life was ruined. They now read the Bible, and the Bible gives them hope that you can turn things around. You can get a fresh start. It's not too late for you. You feel like your life's ruined. Why did I do that stupid thing? Or you feel like somebody else did something that ruined your life. And then you're reading the Bible, and you get hope and encouragement And you say, it's not over. The rest of my life can be the best of my life. You get all that when you're reading scripture. It encourages you. And then you step out in faith and you go for it. And you know what you find out? Is that your life wasn't ruined. You felt like it was, but it's not. And you have hope and you keep working. Look at James 1.18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So as you read in the Bible, the Bible calls itself, this is truth. It gives you hope to change to get a new start. You get that birth. I can start all over. People need to start all over. I work with people all the time. People that come to counseling, to a pastor, they come to counseling because they feel like their life is ruined. People don't come to a counselor because they feel like everything's great. It's because they get to that point of hopelessness, so they're seeking out help. And then they turn to God. They they read scripture I teach some scripture, and they get hope that, yes, change is possible. I can make a difference. From the Bible, it's not just about salvation. It's not just about knowing that there's a heaven or that type of thing. It's about you discover your personal purpose. I've got a reason to live. People need to hear that. I've got a reason to live. There's a purpose for my life. I've got gifts and talents. 
I've got a heart's passion towards certain things. I've got abilities. I've got a personality type. I've got past experiences. All these things have shaped me to be somebody. And when I take that shape, the way that God's created me, I use it the way I was meant to use it. I have purpose. I have a reason to exist. So it recreates my life. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3.15. From a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. It makes you wise for salvation. As you're reading the Bible, here's how it works. It's like a seed being planted in your heart. And then it starts growing and sprouting. But I'm telling you, without the Word of God, if you don't read it, the seed never gets planted. So you don't have a chance to have that growth and that new life that you're looking for. In 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The Bible is described as being alive. That's the difference, why it affects me. It's the living word of God. Those words live within you. They're not just words on a page. They're words that live within you. When I put my faith in God, it changed who I was as a person. It didn't change my personality. If you're outgoing, now you're an outgoing person that feels like God loves you and it changes your heart and you want to express that love toward other people. If you're more of an introvert, now you're an introvert that feels like God loves you and you want to express that love to others. And the way you would express it is probably different than an extrovert. It doesn't change your personality, but it changes who you are. It changes everything from the inside out. Second thing that the Bible does as you're reading it, it eradicates my guilt. I don't have to hang on to guilt, regret, shame. We get stuck in memories. Resentment means I'm stuck in a memory of something somebody did to me. I'm not letting it go. Guilt is I'm stuck in a memory of something I did that I feel ashamed of, that I feel bad about. Jesus came to take away your guilt. In Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. People feel guilty. Then they read the Bible and it takes away their guilt. There's no condemnation for me. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He took everything I've done bad, and he paid off the penalty. So I don't owe anything. I'm forgiven. I get a new start. I can let go of my guilt. There's a lot of people that you can't let go of your guilt. You hang on to it, and it ruins your life, just like resentment. You hang on to that. That ruins you because you're so angry at them that you can't, you can't have peace. When you forgive them, you can let go of resentment. When you forgive yourself, you can let go of guilt. People have a hard time, but when they understand that God forgives them, it's a guilt reliever. It's a shame reducer. It's a regret eliminator. It's not something that someone says, oh, good. If God forgives me, that means I can go out and do whatever I want to hurt other people and just ask God to forgive me later. No, that's not how it works. That's not somebody that's suffering from guilt. He's suffering from something else, but he's not suffering from guilt. It's a guilt reliever because when you're a normal human being and you do things wrong, it bothers you. There's guilt involved, self-condemnation, and you feel bad about things you've done. And you go to God and you seek him and he lets, go, he lets you let go of that guilt. You believe that you're forgiven and it came from God's word. In Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, 
Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. It's like by reading the word, it's like washing that inside of your heart out. All that guilt, all that shame, all that regret that you've carried, it's being scrubbed out, scrubbed out, scrubbed out. No matter how many good things I do, it doesn't take away the negative feeling about the bad things I've done. So I can try to be, you know, I'm going to be better, better, better. It doesn't erase the past. But what it's saying is God's word erases the past. So I have that guilt that I read the Bible, and it's all about forgiveness and God's forgiving me. And, and it's like when I'm reading that, it's scrubbing out that feeling in my heart of guilt. And I walk away feeling forgiven. That's when you have life. That's when you have life. People need to feel forgiven. It cleanses you through the word. In John 15, 3, it says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Do you hear that? You are already clean. There are people in this room that you're walking around feeling guilty about things you've done, and you're already clean. What that means is Jesus already died for you. God's already forgiven you. When you read the word and you get that, let it clean your heart so you can let go of guilt. You do not have to walk around feeling guilty all the time. The third thing when you're reading the Bible, it activates my faith. It gives me confidence. It helps me to believe I can do things I couldn't do. You read it and, you know, it, we suffer from being scared. Uh, we're afraid to take risks. The fear of failure, afraid of dying. As you're reading the Bible, it gives you faith that you're willing to step out and go for it and believe that you can do something different, that you believe that you can achieve. You know, you have all these insecurities. You read the Bible, it encourages you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So then you go and you're worried about the business that you're starting. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So now you have enough guts to go for it. That's what the Bible does for people. It gives people enough guts to go for it because people need that. People are afraid. They're afraid, well, what if I mess up? What if I try and fail? Coaching, being a coach, a lot of the reason that a kid is held back is he's afraid to lose. He's afraid to lose. You have to give him confidence. You know, he's afraid of being embarrassed. Coaching wrestling, some of you guys are wrestlers in here. Uh, It's different than a team sport. You don't have 10 other guys that you can hide behind. You know, it's just only you and the other, and if you mess up, the whole crowd sees you mess up because there's only one person to blame. So it causes a lot of fear. It's a scarier sport than, you know, it's like boxing. You're the only one out there. It's scarier when it's just one-on-one. And people need courage to go for it. Well, when you're reading the Bible, it gives you the courage to go forward. Look at Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard where? Through the word of Christ. What it's saying is when you read the Bible, it builds your faith. So I can do it. And it gives you the ability to do things that you were afraid to do before. With your business, with school, with sports, with your marriage, with your children, whatever. Whatever you need to do that you're just afraid to go for it, you build your faith through that. I use that verse, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me because that's one that I hang on to. That when I feel like, oh, I'm afraid to do this, I think I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? I try. I try. But 
It's because I believe. If I didn't believe that, there's a lot of things I wouldn't try. And it works. It gives you success. If you've ever read a Bible verse and it makes you think like, oh, I can do that, your faith has been activated. Before that, you didn't think you could. You hear me speak on a Sunday, and after I share something, well, the marriage seminar that we were doing for six weeks, I maybe shared things, and you're married, and you think, like, wait, our marriage can make it. Your faith just got activated. You went from, I don't know if our marriage is going to make it, to our marriage can make it. That's the Word of God activating your faith. It's giving you the power to believe that things can be different. I can remember when I was depressed and I was walking around with this cloud over my head and I was just in the worst time in my life. And I can remember just forcing myself to go forward. My prayers weren't like, God, do something great in my life. My prayers was, God, get me through the day. The depression was so deep with what I was going through. And do you know, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Push through it. Who wants to camp out in hell? Okay? I was going through hell, and everything in me wanted to just, like, give up. But you don't. You don't give up. You just push through it. You push through it. It was when I started, at, when I first was going through this, I was devastated. I couldn't even read the Bible. I was reading the book of Psalms, though. That helped me. But as I started reading the Bible more and more, that's what gave me confidence. That's what gave me courage. That's what gave me strength. That's what gave me the power to push through and push through. Even though everything inside wanted to die and give up. You know, I felt like my dream was that I would go to sleep at night and just not wake up in the morning, then all my problems are gone. That's how I felt emotionally. But I just pushed through it. But it was the Word of God that gave me the courage and the strength to go. Then what else? So let me just share something. If I didn't read the Bible... I wouldn't have been healed nearly as fast. Maybe not at all. Some people never get healing in their life from the things that happen in their life because they never deal with them. It was reading God. I went to a counselor. That helped. It was reading God's word that healed my life, that changed my mind, changed my heart, and then changed my actions. So it was word of God. That's my personal testimony. That's what worked, and I tried a lot of other stuff. I, I had a lot of other assistance, but it was the word of God that changed me. Number four, it stimulates my growth. In Acts, it says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God builds you up. It, it stimulates your growth as a person. As you're reading the Bible, you, can, you grow in character. It changes your character. It, it changes your heart. You know, it changes your mindset. You're growing. Now, notice how it says, and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What's an inheritance? That's something that you receive from being a part of a family. So let's say uh, Warren Buffett is your dad, for example. And he has a will. And from that will, you receive an inheritance. Why? What did you do to earn that inheritance? You really didn't do anything to earn it. You just happened to be part of the family. He earned it all. He did everything. He did all the hard work to bring that money in. 
you know, to be the wealthiest or second wealthiest or third wealthiest guy in the world, whatever he is right now. But he did all the hard work. As a family member, if you inherit it, you did absolutely nothing to inherit all that good stuff. You just happen to be in the family. That's it. This is what it's saying. When you're in God's family, you get to inherit all the good stuff from God that you did nothing to earn yourself. There's nothing you did to earn it. You're just part of the family. So you inherit God's blessings. You inherit everything good, the opportunities that God gives you, the benefits, the power that you get from God. You inherit that just from being part of the family. These things are meant to help you grow as an individual so you'll be a better person. When you're reading the Bible, it should make you better at work if you're applying it to your life. People can read the Bible, like I said at the beginning, just get head knowledge. But it should translate into your work. You're doing a better job at work. You, you know, because you should be motivated to give it your all by what Scripture says if you're applying it to your life. It should make your marriage better, your parenting better, coaching, performing, everything. It should make you better because of the influence of what it's telling you to do. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is saying is from God's mouth. And what does it do for you? So you're reading the Bible. What is it saying it's going to do to help you grow? Teaching you. What is that? It teaches you how to be on the correct path of life. Rebuking you. That means it's telling you when you get off the correct path of life. Then correcting you is getting you back on the correct path of life. And training you is to keep you on there so you don't fall off a second time. But that's what it's saying the Bible does. So it's teaching you you know, this is the way to go. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting away from it. You read something and you start noticing. I'm getting away from it. Do you know, believe it or not, the number one thing that causes us to get off the right track is the people we associate with. And especially if I start dating somebody and they're not on a similar page, it's much easier for them to pull me down than it is for me to lift them up. You know? So who you associate with matters. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says, love your neighbor yourself. You love everybody. You love everybody. But people who succeed in life, they get people around them that are also succeeding, that they're learning from. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. I think of Ben Franklin with the things he invented, he had a group of people that were the sharpest minds he knew of. And they would get together on a regular basis to share ideas and learn from each other to make each other sharper. He didn't get around with the people. He didn't have a meeting with the people that he thought uh, were the least important minds in the area. He was trying to get with people that, you know, had the sharpest minds he could find to reach the goals he wanted. You know, Edison did the same thing. Well, I look at that spiritually, is I want to be loving and friendly to everybody, but I want, I want that my closest friends to be people that make me sharp. I want to be married to someone that makes me sharp. 
You know what I mean? That they're growing with God. I'm growing with God. We're, we're encouraging each other. We're making each other sharper so that we can be better people. So the number one thing that can hold you back are the people that you're around. Number five, you love everybody, like I said, but you need really close friends that are sharp, that sharpen you, and you're sharpening them as well. Number five, it illuminates my mind. God wants to illuminate your mind. It's like, like the light bulb comes on and boom, you see it. In Psalms 119, 130, it says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. God wants to use his word to enlighten you. There are some times when you're reading the Bible, you read something that you've just never thought about before, and like, like boom, wow. And it, the, the funny thing is, and you'll notice this with my sermons a lot of times, how many times have I spoken on something that was exactly what you needed to hear that day? It happens all the time. Now, let me tell you what, that's impossible. It's impossible for it to happen like that all the time. You know, but it does. Like over and over, you hear something like, wow. Well, that's what happens when you're reading the Bible. You have this situation where you're the boss and you're going to have to confront this certain situation and you don't know how to go about it and you're kind of, it's on your mind. You can't be settled. Then you, it just so happens that you read it that very same day, you know? And you're just like, with me, I, I just read right through the Bible, then I go back to the beginning, read through it, then I go. And it seems like, how is it that this is the day I'm reading this, right when I need it? Because it takes me, uh, you know, to, if you read three or four chapters a day, you can read through the Bible in a year. And I usually read slower than that because I want to take more details and write down things. So it takes me longer. So, you know, it could be two years before I hit that again, but I read it the day I need it. It happens all the time. I don't understand how that's possible, but it is. God wants to illuminate your mind. He wants to enlighten you. And when you're reading the word of God, you'll be amazed at how it enlightens you right when you need it. In Psalms 119.99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. He's saying the reason why he had more insight than others is he said, I'm not just reading the Bible. He was saying, everybody else is just reading the Word of God. They're just reading it. He said, but the reason why I'm getting more insight is I'm meditating on it. Now, meditation in the Bible time didn't mean crossing your legs in the lotus position, and trying to free your mind of thought. Focus on your breathing, breathe in, breathe out, trying to free your mind of thought. That's not what it meant. Meditation means you're getting the word of God, and instead of just reading it, you're trying to soak it in. You're trying to look at each individual word and emphasize things. You're pondering on it over and over, trying to figure it out. You're trying to get as much out of it as you can. That's what the word meditation means in the Bible. So his mind was enlightened because he was meditating on it, not just reading it. It's too easy to read something and miss it. But when you meditate on it and you pay closer attention, thinking about the background, picturing what's happening in your mind, all those extra things you do help you to get it. And then your mind is enlightened. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and light for my path. Their lamps were like candles. They had oil burning. And you could only see a few steps ahead. So 
There's only one way I'm going to see farther ahead, and that's for me to take the steps that I can see. The only way I can see farther than that is to take the steps where I can see. That's how God works in your life. See, here's what I want God to do. I don't want that lamp. I want a huge flashlight. And I want to be able to see not just my next step or two. I want to be able to see all the way down there. And I say, okay, God, I like the path you want me on. And if I look way down there and say, God, I don't like the path you have there, I'm going to go this way. That's what I want to do. In other words, I want to do what I want to do. What if the path that he has for me, what if I don't want to go that way? What I found out is that flashlight does not exist. You have the lamp, and there's only one way I'm going to know what's up ahead, and that's taking the steps I need to take now. And sometimes you get this desire, you know, I see it, I could take this step and that step, but I don't want to take any steps until I know more. Let me tell you this, God can outlast you. <laughs> so just take the step and go for it. Just go for it. I don't know the future, but today I need to do this. I don't know the future, but this week I need to plan for that. And you do the step that you're in right now, and you'll get there when you're supposed to get there. Number six, it elevates my mood. So the, another reason... I read the Bible to enlighten my mind, but also it elevates my mood. Sometimes you're grumpy. Sometimes you're down in the dumps. Sometimes you feel like nobody cares, and you need your mood elevated. You need to be lifted up. So like, I wake up in the morning, and I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes in the morning, I, I wake up and I just feel like, oh, I, don't, I feel down. I feel down. So what do you do? You grab coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, you grab coffee. No, but what I'm trying to say is, if you really want your mood lifted up, go to God's Word. I read the Bible in the morning. Okay, a lot of people like to read the Bible at night. I choose the morning, not because it's necessarily better. If you're reading the Bible at night, fantastic. You know, some people are just better that way. But I purposely do it in the morning because it does set the tone for the day. It elevates my mood. I fall down, I read the Bible, and it lifts me up. It gives me encouragement. I want that encouragement in my life. I want that help. I want that support. I want my mood elevated before I go to work and take on all the stresses of the day. Look at Romans 15.4. Everything, and you can circle that word everything, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Wow. Everything. Why? Everything in the scriptures is for our encouragement and hope. When it says everything, that means even the depressing parts of the Bible. You say, what are the depressing parts? Well, it can be sad when you're reading about Abraham and it's talking about how his wife died and they're mourning, that can be sad. It's real life. And you're saying if everything in the scripture, if everything in the scripture is for our encouragement and hope, and it says everything, even that, well, why would that give us hope? It's not the fact that she died. It's the fact that as you're reading through scripture, we see it differently. We believe in eternal life. 
I believe that Sarah is with God in heaven forever. Because in this world, I see death happening all the time. If I didn't have the encouragement of the scriptures, life would be horrible. But because I 100% believe the Bible to be true, I 100% believe that these people are in heaven. And I feel, it's not like I'm not sad when you, if I lost a loved one, of course I'm going to be sad. But that sad is balanced out with the hope that we have because I believe they're in heaven. I believe they're with God. That makes a major difference. It's a mood elevator. Death without the encouragement of scriptures wouldn't be a mood elevator. It'd just be depressing. And then I'd be thinking someday I'm going to die too. How depressing is this? It changes your life totally, the scriptures, because it changes what you believe. I believe in heaven. I believe in God. I believe that that person's going to be with God for eternity. I believe that they're doing great. It's me that's sad. They're fine. And I believe someday I'm going to be with them too. And I don't believe I'm going to be with them because I'm a great guy. I believe that I'm going to be with them because God forgives me. God's a great God. I'm not good enough to reach God. He's good enough to reach me. That's where my faith is in him reaching me. I can't get that from television. I get it from the word of God. I can't get that type of encouragement from listening to the radio. I get it from the word of God. I can't get it from the philosophies of my friends. I get it from the word of God. Now, sometimes the radio and my friends are agreeing with that type of stuff. So obviously they can encourage me in that way. In Psalms 119, 114, it says, you're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. His word renews you. And number seven, it liberates my potential. See, only God knows your full potential. Your parents don't know your full potential. Your husband and wife don't know your full potential, but God does. And when you read scripture, you might be living in a box, maybe trying to, uh, for the approval of others, you know, concerned about what everybody else thinks. And you might be limiting yourself of what you think you can do. But when you read the scriptures, just like that one I already read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those type of verses liberate your mind. Well, you think here's the ceiling, and then you think, no, I can, I can do greater than that. With God helping me, it's unlimited. So it makes your brain believe in something bigger than your own natural talents. I might think, well, I have, I'm gifted to do this, but I'm trusting in God for more. And you know what happens? If you feel like you're gifted to do this, that's what you'll try to do. And you'll probably reach 80% of your goals and you f- finish 20% behind that, okay? But when you start believing in something greater because you feel like, well, with God, I can do way more than that, and then you start shooting for that goal, you'll probably surpass what you thought you could do before. Instead of hitting 80% of what you think you can hit, you'll surpass 100% of what you thought you could Because in your mind, you believe in something greater. You believe you can do more, so you try. People don't try to do what they guarantee in their mind don't think they can. It expands your mind. It liberates you. It sets you free to be all that God wants you to be, not just what you or everybody else thinks you can be. It unlocks your potential. This verse says, 
If you continue my word, so it's coming from the Bible, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you get set free like that by continuing in his word. The Bible helps you to believe things and go for things that you didn't believe you could before through the encouragement of scripture. By the way, what I'm preaching today is my personal testimony, okay? This is what the Bible has done in my life, okay? These are the seven things that has changed me, how it's changed me, how it's affected my life. And I'm convinced it would do the same for you. It recreated my life. It eradicated my guilt. It activated my faith. It stimulated my growth. It illuminated my mind. It elevated my mood. It liberated my potential. That's what the Word of God has done for me. That's why we're doing this 40 days in the Word. Because I'm thinking, if it's done that to me, it will do it to everybody in this room that wants to read the Bible. It will affect your life in those same seven positive ways, in a way that you can't get anywhere else. How do I gain these benefits? How does that work? Number one, I have to learn it. So that's why you read it. You're reading it to learn it. Mark 12, 24 says, it's Jesus. And he says, your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. And that's what happens. Is a lot of the problems that we get ourselves in is because we don't know the scriptures. We don't know the scriptures. Let me just give you an example. Because I don't like some of the things the Bible says. Okay. Let me tell you what I mean. I don't like this one. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. I don't like that. What do you do? You block it, right? You block, you duck, you weave, you punch back, right? That's what I like. If I would have written the Bible, let me tell you this, it'd be totally different than what you guys are reading. Okay. There are some things in the Bible I don't like. But because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't believe it. If you ask me, Jimmy, do you believe the right thing is to turn the other cheek and let it go? I know that's the right thing. I know it's a higher law. You know what I mean? I know it's the right way to go. I just don't like it. Everything in me wants to get even. I want to punch him back. So your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. If I didn't know the scriptures, if I didn't know the scriptures, I can guarantee you I say no one ever exposed me to a higher law. I didn't know the scriptures. Hitting back would be my normal way of thinking. And then I hit back, and then they hit back. The best way I can explain it is like maybe two gangs in L.A. Hit back, hit back, hit back, hit back. Before it's all over, there's now eight dead on this side and eight dead on this side. Over months or a year or two. You see what I'm saying? If I didn't know the scriptures... I would be thinking, let's get even and feel justified if I didn't know the scriptures. And Jesus would meet me and he'd say, you know what your trouble is, Jimmy? Your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. And Jesus would be 100% right. And that's why I have eight friends that are dead. And that's why they have eight friends that are dead. And we hate each other. And our goal is to keep fighting each other. That's what happens when you don't know the scriptures. He was talking to the Pharisees at that time, but it's the same thing with everything in our life. Some of the reactions I see people do in their marriage, like they're having a marriage problem, and the way they react makes it worse. Do you know what I do when I meet with them? Is I try to tell them what the Bible says. You know why I'm trying to tell them what the Bible says? Because think about what I'm really saying. 
I'm saying the problem is you don't know the scriptures. That's what I'm really saying, right? Why would I tell them? Well, here's what the Bible says. There's sometimes that parents are chasing their teenagers away from them in their goal of trying to get their teenagers to do the right thing. The way they're going about it is doing the opposite effect. And I'll put the parents together and I'll say, here's how the Bible, well, this is what the Bible says. You know what I'm saying to that parent? Your problem is you don't know the scriptures. Now, sometimes they know the scriptures here, but if they don't put it into action, you know, it doesn't help to know it if you don't put it into action. But a lot of times people just don't know the scriptures and that's why they're making things worse instead of better. So you learn it. Number two, you accept it. That means you have to accept its authority. Like, just exactly like I was saying, I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to punch back. But I've got to accept the scriptures. I've got to accept that God's right. It's not what I feel. He's right. In Thessalonians, it says, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. I've got to accept that it's really the word of God or I will punch back or I will get revenge in the scenario that I'm using. I, I won't turn the other cheek. I'll get revenge. But if I accept that this is the word of God, I learn it and I accept this is the word of God, then I'll obey it. Number three, I have to act on it. Look at this verse. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed since you know them. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's not knowing it. It's doing it. I've got to put it into action. So this is my personal story of what God's done to me through the scripture. And I guarantee you, I promise you, you'll have the same results. When I read the Bible, here's what it's done for me. It's recreated my life. It gave me a new start. It's helped me to let go of guilt and resentment. It elevates my mood. It's helped my faith to be elevated because I believe more. I'm willing to try more. My spiritual growth has been stimulated. My potential has been liberated. But it's not just through reading it. I've learned it. I've accepted it to be true. And I do it. That's what the difference is. So as we're going through 40 days in the Word, as you read the Bible, if you accept it and do it, it will change your life in every way for the good. For the good. A changed life isn't always good, but this one will be good. So with that, I hope it motivates you. Like, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to do this. Two chapters a day. I'm going to join the group. I'm going to read and start in Luke. You don't have to start in Luke. I mean, if someone started in Genesis, it's up to you. But as a group, we're starting in Luke because my goal was that everybody would get to know Jesus first. So I'm hoping that you start in Luke and then read John and it will bless your life. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're going through this series of 40 days in your word, Lord, we're praying that your word will change our hearts, that we're learning how to feed ourselves We're not just being fed. We're learning how to feed ourselves by reading your word, by learning it, by accepting it, and by doing it. Lord, we're asking your word to recreate our life, to give us new starts. Help us to let go of our guilt and resentment. Lord, we want to read your word so it can elevate our mood when we're grumpy or feeling bad. 
Lord, you can get us back on the right path. We want our faith activated. We want to be growing spiritually. And Lord, we want our potential to be liberated. We want our potential to be unlimited to your power. So Lord, we're making a commitment to know you and your word and to apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.